What's up everyone and welcome to episode 197 of the Justin Insight Podcast, a show where we talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and their journey through it. As always, I am your host and guide through said podcast. My name is Tim Birkbeck and I've been enjoying the lovely weather we've having here in the UK right now. It's been fucking lush to say the least. I've been out cycling, out sunning myself, out seeing friends and like as cliche as it sounds like it goes to show like weather really does improve your mood because if you've been listening to the show quite regularly through the pandemic I've been bored out of my nut and like yeah the bad weather was obviously a huge part on that having an impact on on me so yeah guess keep the sun rolling I guess um a little kind of side note uh, something I did want to quickly mention that kind of fucked me up a little bit like so uh this may not be of interest to many people listening to this but people who do know me i am also a football fan i ran a short-lived football podcast which may or may not return we don't know um but recent the the euros have kicked off as of weekend just passed and on saturday afternoon i was watching the denmark finland game now anyone that obviously follows football will uh, heard and seen or even if you don't you've probably heard or seen it in the news that of what happened to christian erickson now that like that fucking shook me off i'm not gonna lie um so yeah a bit fucking traumatic in that so i just kind of wanted to say like if anyone's saw that i hope you're well hope you're sort of like looking after yourself uh if anyone wants to reach out and have a little chat then always here just yeah that was it was a fucking weird thing to see on live TV, just put it that way. I'm not going to say too much more because I have my opinions on how it was broadcast and, and dealt with and all that sort of thing, but this isn't the time or place to to get into any of that. Um, apart from that, not a whole lot to sort of talk about this week. A few albums that I want to shout out that I've been listening to as of recent. The new Akulu record, Unscrewed My Head, came out on Friday. Like, Akulu are a band that I've been super hyped about, like, since I heard their first EP. And this, yeah, this full length is just fucking brilliant. So go check that out if, you, if you're if you so inclined. Uh, new Thin Ice EP as well, Keep It Alive. Uh, just, yeah, really nice hardcore. And a new band that I discovered thanks to um, Get Better Records was Cowboy Boy like really cool kind of like dream poppy sort of band their new record good girl came out on friday as well so yeah go over and check that shit out right let's get into this week's guest uh this one is a weird one for me to introduce so this week i am joined by the person who is the musical mastermind behind the projects the ember the ash and unrequited the reason i put introduce them like that is because uh the projects are based under some guys anonymity we talk about this in the interview like where they kind of stand with the anonymity of the project uh because obviously this wouldn't have been a good chat if they weren't willing to talk about it basically but it's a really cool like interesting chat there sort of views of why they kind of started both projects under this this uh guise of this symbol which is the japanese form for ghost um and not wanting to put their name to it not putting their face to it or so on and so forth um 
but letting the music really breathe through it. But we also talk about their sort of like starts in music, starts through metalcore, how like Unrequited has sort of grown and the response to the Ember and the Ash album that came out earlier this year. So yeah, this was a really fun one. I've been a fan of Unrequited for since I discovered them last year, so that doesn't make me sound like I'm a huge fan, but like once I discovered them, I really dug into like their back catalogue and from the sounds of things, the new record, which is coming out later this year, is going to be something, again, very different, but very sort of on brand. And the, the song that they've released thus far is just a thing of beauty. So really looking forward to hearing that. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. Enjoy the chat and I'll hit, speak to you on the other side. Right, so joining me this week on the Justin Inside podcast is the musical mind behind the projects The Ember, The Ash and Unrequainted. Um, thank you very much for, for taking some time out of your day to to join me and have a little chat. Um, obviously, like, being a fan of your projects and kind of looking into sort of like everything that you do, like, and I know sort of with quarantine, you've been actively kind of working on stuff, but how's kind of like life been with you in the last sort of, sort of 18 months in this weird time have you just been constantly like working on music has that been your life at the moment yeah i mean that's um that's kind of that's kind of been my method of staying sane um regardless of of the whole Mm. pandemic situation that's kind of what i've always done to keep my head clear and keep myself busy was to kind of just focus on music um it's really my only outlet for like creativity and expression in general I've never been one to uh, yeah. Never been one to want to talk about uh, problems that I'm going through. That's uh, that's really not <laughs> right. my forte. Like words and uh, feelings and stuff like that. So it's always been music for me um, in terms of expressing myself. The pandemic mm. has as much as like you know it it's it sucked uh, being forced to stay inside because I always liked having the option of being able to leave and do other things, but it's uh, it's <laughs> yeah. definitely made me um really buckle down on my project mm. and because well because that, that was one thing i was going to ask because like obviously the the ember the ash album came out sort of a couple of weeks ago now and obviously you've got an a new record under acquainted coming out in in a couple mm-hmm. of months so i don't know has it kind of forced you to be more focused or again is it just kind of how you work it's like a little bit of both, I guess, because I, I, there's nothing else I can really do with my time anymore. I mean, I'm in Ontario, Canada, where we have like the most draconian lockdown uh, stuff going on <laughs> right. right now. Like we cannot do anything. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, it has it forced me to. I would say like kind of because otherwise mm. I would be I would be losing my mind if I wasn't putting the. Uh, my energy into this stuff like I don't know what else I'd be doing honestly yeah. I don't <laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough well how I kind of like always like to start and kind of open things up is to kind of like take my guests back to their their roots and their origins and I'm I'm very interested to see what yours is because like you have quite an eclectic taste within what you create so like what was your kind of first exposure to alternative music like what kind of got you into it in the first place uh, towards towards what sorry like writing music I didn't I didn't catch the 
No, no, sorry, towards like alternative. alternative music. Music. So what yeah. kind of got you into it in the first place? Um, <clears throat> well, I I kind of grew up in the metalcore scene, I guess you would say. Um, mm. From ages, I guess, 15 until probably 20. Um, I was always right. trying to pursue the band thing. You know, I had my group of friends here and we had this band going and we were taking it really seriously. Um, you know, we signed to a smaller label and we actually were fortunate enough to go on tour. Like we coast to West Coast. Um, so yeah, that was that was really my like pursuit for a long time was this metalcore, new metal kind of band thing, which was pretty popular mm. at the time. You know, there was starting to be a pretty big like new metal revival. <laughs> and we wanted <laughs> to be a part of it. Um and the solo endeavors only really, I don't know, I only really started to think about that around the time I put out the first Unrequited album in 2016. Mm. Um, because I just wanted to see like, hmm, like, can I do this by myself? And how would that turn out? Would it be good? Would it be awful? I don't know how to record myself properly. Like that was my first attempt at even doing that. Um, Mm. And it was just so much fun. And I really liked having like full creative control. So I ended up doing that like until right now. <laughs> <laughs> but so you mentioned obviously like kind of being in that like metalcore scene when you were mm. sort of between sort of like the ages of 15, 21 sort of thing. But like what kind of got you into into that in the first place? Like was, like did someone introduce you to sort of metal and stuff when you were younger like um, where did that influence all come from i think like I, I did have my dad showing me kind of the the basics like the metallica megadeth uh, right judas priest like he's super into that stuff so around age 12 i started getting into metal and really interested in it and i really started diving in just because I don't know, it, maybe it's the typical kind of like outcast story that, you know, I couldn't really find like, a, I couldn't <laughs> yeah. really find like a home anywhere in like friend groups and stuff growing up and metal always seemed like it, uh, I don't know, it just kind of resonated with me at a young age. It was angry and it was like angsty. And yeah. Um, so I'm not too sure. I just, I just kind of got obsessed with it. I, I think at a young age before I even started writing music or, or anything, I, I like, really went into like a rabbit hole where I was like super elitist into specific genres like I remember okay. <laughs> I remember my first few bands were like you know that I really liked myself were like Trivium and Avenged Sevenfold and those kinds of you know very uh popular uh, entry artists I guess um yeah and from there I actually got really big into power metal was my favorite genre and okay. I like really knew every single power metal band and I would download every record on like LimeWire. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. I would go through these phases where I was into like power metal and then extreme metal. And then somehow that went to like metalcore and it kind of just stayed there for years. Right. So like when you kind of got like, got into sort of like the metalcore sort of side of things, were they like you mentioned sort of, Trivium and Avenged Sevenfold kind of being your your entry bands, but were were there any specific bands that you really latched onto when you got into like the metalcore phase? Um, yeah, I um, I there's a few that I still even really like um, that are going like there's a band called Silent Planet that I absolutely love. Uh, okay, they're kind of like proggier 
stuff but they write like incredible songs and they're still going writing incredible songs like i still listen to all their records that they put out so that was a big one Mm. um but we were we were really inspired by like this i guess like the genty sound was really popular at the time so we were really into like uh periphery and volumes and bands like that i think um the kind of metalcore that we were interested in Mm. and so you mentioned again like obviously your your dad sort of like showing you like metallica or megadeth and things like that so were you kind of like surrounded by music when you were growing up or was it just like without this sounding like cliche like the like the typical sort of like quote-unquote dad rock that was just kind of on in the background pretty much yeah my dad pretty much just listens to the radio like he he has like you know he had a big uh cd collection and he, he did get me into that mm. music, but my family is really not musical at all. I think they could probably all live without music, which is absurd to me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, they're they're not. I don't come from a musical family at all. So, so in that case, where did the kind of musical intrigue come from in terms of like wanting to to play music and like actually pick up an instrument? Um, it, that's a good question. Actually, I can't remember if there was one big. Uh, moment where because i've always had this drive to to like pursue music like it's always been like this is plan a and there's no plan b you know what i mean like i've never wanted to do anything Mm. else and it's always been my like career goal but um yeah a lot of people who have that kind of they always like harken back to some kind of like live dvd that they watched and they're like that's what i want to do <laughs> yeah but I, I can't remember if there was one of those things i think i just used to watch a lot of live videos of my favorite artists and i was like man i just have to do this <laughs> i have to go on tour and, and yeah uh, re- like romanticizing it really heavily mm. so th- then in terms of like actually picking up an instrument like obviously now in the projects that you do you kind of write and produce and, and sort of tinker around with various different elements of instrumentation and things like that. But in terms of like actually picking up a first instrument, what was the, the first thing that you were drawn to and like, why did you kind of settle on that? Uh, yeah, I picked up the guitar around 15 and it's, that's still the only instrument mm-hmm. I've ever really like been able to play. Like everything else is just, um, right. it's just like, I learned how to write for those instruments. And like, that seems to be kind of enough for me to be able to program them and write them, write them (laughs) properly. Like I wouldn't be able to sit down at a drum set and like play any of my own songs, (laughs) but I can write the parts like accurately and, and, and make sense of what like a drummer would do. But, Mm. um, uh, when, when I was younger, I remember my brother and I, uh, my parents were like, you guys should play an instrument or something. (laughs) <laughs> and we were like okay well yeah we can take like guitar lessons or something they're like yeah you guys should do guitar lessons so they bought us guitars and we were taking these guitar lessons and it was like horrible like the lessons were awful the the instructor was awful oh no and uh, we didn't do anything like we would go into the the sessions and instead of teaching us anything he'd be like all right um show me a song that you want to learn and i'll teach you the song and I was like, oh, okay. And we would just okay. do that. We would do these like jam sessions. And that's what our guitar lessons were. <laughs> and and it, it was like really not interesting. Like I, I really didn't like it. Like I didn't even have the motivation to work on it when I got home or anything. 
So it actually took some time before the, like I actually got interested in playing the instrument because it was like a chore at first. Mm. I was like, oh, this sucks. Like he's giving us this like homework, but we didn't do anything in in class, even though it was like a jam session. Yeah. He would give us these like books as homework. And then oh, I, <laughs> I just remember it was awful. So when people ask like, oh, did you take lessons? I just say, no, I, I, I'm self-taught. I mean, essentially because <laughs> those lessons were super useless, but um yeah so was it what was he like essentially trying to get you to do the theory at home but then actually in class like not doing putting that into practice kind of thing yeah pretty much i mean um like there would be certain techniques like because because I, I would bring songs to him that were like winter sun or whatever like that's what i would bring to him i'd be like oh can i right. learn this and he'd be like well buddy you're not like at an elite guitar player level guitar like playing level that you can't play this <laughs> So he would he would like kind of analyze the song and he would be like, okay, here's all the things you need to learn how to do if you want to play that. And I'd be like, well, that's too hard. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so I only really got interested in playing when I got interested in like writing my own songs. So right. that was kind of the, and you know, I'm st I still don't consider myself to be like much of a guitar player. Like I don't consider myself to be that good at it. It's kind of just like a, a means mm. to create the, sounds that i want to create and i think i think that's what inspired yeah, yeah. me to actually like play it in the first place that's cool so then the other thing i always kind of like to ask is sort of how like i guess sort of live music and, and sort of like a live scene has kind of influenced you and things like that and so you said you mentioned you're in on in Ontario so is, is that where you've always kind of been or have you been in other areas of Canada yeah this is it I, I grew up here so, like, in terms of that, Lynn, like, I guess kind of focusing a bit more kind of maybe on the metalcore side of things, because you said that was kind of what you were getting into. But was there, like, much of a live scene that you were kind of going to? Or what was your kind of relationship with live music when you were growing up? Um, uh, I'm actually really not a huge fan of the um, local scene that we have here. It was pretty good for, it was okay. pretty good for a little while um, when we were coming up. And I remember once we got signed to our record label, um, people started treating us really strangely. Like they thought, okay. <laughs> they thought we were too cool for them or something. And we didn't care about the live scene because we were playing less local shows and, and you know, we've started going on tour. Right. Okay. So it has this really weird, like elitist vibe <laughs> and it's kind of like, <laughs> okay. it looks like it's really inclusive on the outside but they but they were the ones that kind of excluded us once we got signed anyway um it's not it wasn't horrible like growing up we enjoyed like playing shows and you know there were quite a few other uh metalcore bands around here that were you know trying to do the same thing i guess but uh we felt we fell yeah. out of it pretty quick we were like this this sucks i don't want to play local shows anymore now nowadays <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there is much of one at all. Like, uh, we used to know all of the promoters and stuff around here, but now they all do other things. Right, okay. But, like, in terms of, I guess, kind of you going more as, like, a punter and a fan and uh, and things like that, were, were there shows that you can remember, like, going to when you were younger, like, that kind of maybe changed your, like, your view and thought kind of thought, like, oh, this is something that's attainable, this is something that I can do, or... Have you kind of always, I guess, going back to that thing, like saying you've always kind of had that push and drive to want to create music? 
Um, hmm. I don't, I don't know because I've always been so stubborn about this, uh, this like dream of mine and this goal of mine. Like it never really, it never really mattered <laughs> what like other bands were doing, or I never really needed to like see the success in order to be like, oh, I can really do this. It's always been in my brain like, right, you okay. are going to do this, like no matter what. Like, there is no plan B here. Um, but um, I'm sure it was really motivating seeing like younger bands coming through because there there were a lot of. Uh, bands that would come through Ottawa I mean it is the capital of Canada but it's still it's not a very interesting uh city like bands will typically go to right. Toronto and Montreal and then maybe Ottawa you know it's like yeah. maybe you'll come here we don't really have like a medium-sized venue it's either massive or tiny so it was hard to accommodate these mid-tier bands but but it was really motivating like seeing bands come through and, and getting to talk to them afterwards and stuff like that. So. So in, in terms of you actually like kind of going into sort of like playing music you, yourself and stuff like that, you've, you obviously mentioned like the, the band that you, you were in was kind of wanting to push things, but were you in anything sort of like of note before that, that kind of like got your feet wet or, or anything like that? Or was this kind of the jumping in point? Uh, yeah, I mean, I formed this band, I guess, when I was age 17, would have been the first band. Like, I never, I've mm. never, like, joined a band for anything. I've always only just, like, started my own and, and recruited people to be a part of it. And th that was the only band I was in. I mean, we did change our name a couple of times. But, um, yeah, from age 17 to 21, that was my only, uh, that was my only endeavor. That's cool. So, do you mind naming the band, or would you rather? Oh, uh, sure. Um, it was called. It record. was called Vesuvius. Right. Okay. Cool. And uh, so then, like, in terms of yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry, go on. Uh, I was just gonna say, like, um, it like it's it's on YouTube. It's pretty easy to find. We were on a label called Tragic Hero Records. Cool. So, like, in terms of kind of, I guess, sort of like starting the band and kind of getting the ball rolling, I always kind of find it interesting what like the starting point was so like you mentioned like you guys were kind of all part of that metalcore scene and, and wanting to sort of emulate that so I don't know was that always the focus of like you wanting to have that sound or did it kind of grow into that so to say I mean the the sound changed a little bit over the years but I would say it still always kind of fit under that metalcore umbrella it still always had the breakdowns and the mm mixture of clean vocals and harsh vocals um and I, I don't know why that is I mean I <laughs> I always liked you know extreme metal and, and other genres of metal but for some reason metalcore was always like the the one I was in pursuit of in terms of like actually being, yeah, being yeah. a fan of, of that genre and I think it's because it's more fun to play <laughs> like um <laughs> yeah it just like these like the breakdowns and then the big clean parts were like super super fun and i guess like that crowd is a lot more open to other genres because we were mixing in like these almost like r&d style vocal clean vocals and oh that's yeah cool. so there's like all kinds of stuff going on there whereas like in the the metal scene it's like you know it's a little different yeah yeah there's like almost kind of like a a quote-unquote like purists sort of yeah yeah it's, it's pretty true. yeah so that's why i mean that's why when i put out this 
the record with the ember i was like well this is probably going to be polarizing <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely um so then in terms of kind of like you kind of getting on and sort of like because you, you mentioned earlier like you kind of had this focus of it wanting to like pursue it and become like a, a bigger band so was that always something that like within not maybe not just yourself but as a as a band that that was a focus or was it something that as you became a bit more popular and started as you say getting signed and things that that became something that was attainable later down the line oh yeah no we we always kind of sacrificed everything for this band like despite us getting absolutely no results from it um it was like <laughs> right. you know like i think um in order to be uh, a musician and someone who wants to pursue music as a career you have to have some level of like delusion in your brain to just kind of do <laughs> to do like the yeah. same things over and over again and hope for like different results and <laughs> Uh, that's me that's my brain like i i will just keep doing it no matter what it doesn't matter how successful it is because i think down the line like it's like if you hang around a barbershop long enough you're gonna get your hair cut you know what i mean at some point <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's cool um so then in terms of like the band sort of progressing like the other thing that i always and I think this would be quite interesting considering where your projects are now, but like, I always find like what people's sort of experience of touring is, is like and what they kind of enjoy and don't enjoy and, and things like that. And obviously like when you're in a, a touring band, it's different to obviously what you're doing now, where it's just, as you say, you've got sole control to it sort of thing. So was touring always something that you enjoyed? Was it something that you like, really wanted to do or i don't know was it just kind of part of the beast that you felt like oh i need to do this because i'm in a band well back then that was always the focus it was always like the main thing we wanted to do was like go on tour for like the the whole year we wanted to just be gone and just be touring constantly right okay um i mean <laughs> until we got our first taste of what that would be like which was uh when we did our cross us tour in a in a van in a small chevy astro van with uh, five dudes and <laughs> with no money like we got paid horribly um we were sleeping in a van in the middle of texas in the summer so there was a lot of <laughs> oh <no. laughs> there are a lot of elements to that that were actually really miserable <laughs> it wasn't luxurious in the slightest we would have like 22 hour drives um oh fuck yeah no. i remember texas to salt lake city it was this like we had two days off and we had, just had to drive for those two days. That's all we did. Um, so it, it, it definitely wasn't like a, a necessary evil or whatever. It was like, we really wanted to do that. And um, it's, it's still something mm. that I want to get back, back into, but I want to do that when it's like a much more financially viable, when it like makes sense to do it. You know, I don't want to be like struggling. Yeah. Now. Cause at the time we, we all lived at home we were all living with our parents. So it was like, it was no problem to just take some time off work and then go on tour and, you know, maybe lose a bit of money and max out some credit cards. But at the end of the day, like we live at home and it's all fine. And now that we're adults, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now that we're adults, like living in our own place, like you can't, you can't do stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. 
so the, just before we kind of obviously move on to like your solo projects and stuff like was there like do you still like actively kind of want to be part of a band or is your pure focus now kind of like on these things that you're doing on on your own sort of thing no i think um at the end of the day i still want to do the band thing it's still like um it, that's still my main focus mm. like the the studio projects are like are great and they're they're just what i've happened to to find success in which i'm really really happy about and i'm really in my element when i'm just at home working on music by myself so it's great to have this but um yeah the band thing is still something that i i want to pursue because i don't think i got enough of a of like a taste of of that with my previous project you know we only did like the one big tour and and two small canadian ones and so i still kind of have that drive to to tour and and see the world and all these romanticized <laughs> versions of, of touring that are in my <laughs> brain there's still a lot of that that i want to do and i do like the camaraderie of being in a band as well it's uh like what i do now is great but it can be kind of isolating mm. so then in terms of obviously what you do now like so if my research is correct, Unrequited came first before The Ember, is that correct? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in terms of kind of like creating that project and kind of feeling out the idea of what you wanted it to be, because obviously like throughout your sort of catalogue of material, like the sonically it's changed, but there's still that kind of underlining kind of post black metal sounds to mm -hmm. it so uh, when you first started what was your kind of idea for it was it to be just like a one-man black metal project was it to be more soundscapey what did you <clears throat> want it to to be when you started i think um when i started unrequited in 2016 i was black metal kind of stuff like just starting to really get into it and um, I think, I think, right, yeah, the, okay. the mentality I had for that record was like, I would like to take my shot at contributing to this genre um, because it's completely unlike what I was doing with my band. At the time, I was still in this band. Uh, that was like the last year where they kind of overlapped. And, um, right, and so, okay. yeah, I was just like, this would be something completely different that I'm just going to try. And, you know, I, <laughs> I was watching, um, noisy on youtube called one man metal and they uh i don't know if you've seen that but they uh they document uh three uh u.s one man black metal bands zaster and leviathan and streetboard but okay, it was cool. really interesting like it was really interesting to kind of get a, a glimpse into the the dismal life of these characters <laughs> and um <laughs> yeah, so it's just yeah. cool. So I think that was that kind of inspired me a little bit as well. So like before you kind of like put any recorded output, as you say, kind of getting into mm -hmm. that sort of sound and that world, were you were you already sort of like starting to write that sort of stuff, or was that kind of like I don't know? Did you kind of get a taste of it and then you thought, oh, I could, I could do this kind of thing? Um. So um, when I recorded the album Disquiet, the very first Unrequited album, 
that was um, my first attempt at recording on my own because uh, with with the bands we would mm. always kind of do this big budget thing where we would go to a professional studio and everybody would everybody yeah. would pitch in a certain amount of money and we would have these horrible pre-production demos that we made with like virtual instruments like guitar <laughs> pro that's what we would bring to a producer um so we always kind of did that and yeah this was that that was like literally my first attempt at ever recording something and it turned out sounds actually pretty good for my first attempt and mm. people were starting to like um I don't know, like gravitate towards that project. Like it was getting a lot of attention in the in the, in the beginning, and I think I, I think I knew either way I was gonna I was gonna pursue it and keep doing it. But I, I think I was really motivated once it started doing well, and then with the with the yeah. next record, I started putting more of my like other influences into the project. Whereas the first record was very like post black metal, like we were saying that's what i was trying to do mm. and then with the next record i was like i'm yeah. not gonna try to do anything with this one i'm just gonna make something that fits within this project's genre but i'm gonna throw in all of the film score stuff that i love and i'm gonna throw in all of the post-rock stuff that i love and kind of try to make it my own and i've still been on mm. kind of that road i guess ever since just kind of adding to it and yeah yeah, yeah definitely yeah, I think that like obviously with the like your the sort of more recent stuff like that definitely comes across like as you say like you as I said you've kind of got like that underlying sort of baseline yeah. but it's almost like with each each record like you're you're adding a different spice kind yeah, of Yeah, that's kind of the idea. I mean, I just don't ever want to make the same album twice. Like that's just not interesting to me. Yeah. Because of how how like broad the uh spectrum of, of genres that i listen to is i i can't just stick to making one thing it's just too boring for me so i think yeah, people yeah. know at this point that they like they don't know they, they shouldn't know what to expect with like a new record because it's always going to be kind of different mm. and you mentioned obviously like straight off the bat like that first record was kind of getting some attention to it sort of thing and and with that being like your first attempt of doing something off your own back like were you kind of like surprised not well i guess surprise is the right word but like i don't know were you sort of taken back by the response it it got and then that kind of like added to you kind of a bit of validation to it i guess I think so yeah because uh, i was so used to writing in a group and i was so used to having um at least one other songwriter in the band that i can kind of bounce ideas back and forth with and kind of be like is this bad <laughs> you know so so when <laughs> yeah. you don't have that kind of second line of, of defense or whatever like with a solo project you can definitely kind of get lost in like a well is this even good like i, I don't know yeah, is anyone yeah. gonna like this like, am i just writing stuff that I, only i'm gonna like <laughs> yeah. and at the end of the day that's like that's what I still write for. Do I want to listen to? Hmm. Um, but uh, I forget the question. Actually, was it just uh, <laughs> did I answer it? Am I close? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're good, man. No worries. Um, obviously, I I've got to sort of address like the sort of like anonymity behind the projects and, and things like that. And I know you've kind of said in, in other interviews second. that oh like, never mind you, you just cut out just really briefly but now it's back 
That's <laughs> <laughs> cool, no worries. Um, you've obviously you've said in like other interviews that kind of you wanted the the music to be front and center. You didn't want it to kind of be about the person that's making the music and stuff like that. That's kind of why you you introduced the anonymity in the first place. But obviously, like you're now. Is this album five that's coming out this year now? Or have I got that wrong? Obviously, you, you're several albums in now. Has your kind of feeling with the the anonymity of the project changed at all? Like, or are you? I don't know because it's all. I don't want to say you've become a character, but it's kind of part and parcel of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's something that I'm, I'm kind of still like fighting with a little bit in my brain because I'm not too sure where I stand with it anymore. I feel like it's becoming like increasingly mm. difficult to to keep the projects anonymous, you know, and, and that, that kind of bleeds right. into everything. You know, even if I do something like this, it's like, well, what am I supposed to call you? And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it is kind of this weird thing that, you know, when I started, it was just like, well, all of the artists that I like in this genre are doing this. And I think it adds this cool element of, you know, mystery to the project. So I'm just going to do it and I won't have any problems with that. (laughs) And, you know, now it's becoming a bit of a problem. Um, But um, I don't know. I think they'll probably reach a point where I just kind of drop it entirely and just be myself. But uh, as (laughs) as of right now, I haven't really decided like, how I'm going to go about that. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to post a big formal message on Facebook and, hey, this is, this is me. This is who I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. just, it's kind of lame, but it like, it feels like almost like I'm too deep into the anonymity thing. I, I can't just come out now. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's fair enough. But in, in some aspects, do you think it's kind of helped you like in a, in a two way street? Because obviously like, you mentioned earlier and again, like from doing the research, like when it kind of started, it was part of like a coping mechanism for for yourself. And sort of it was your way of expressing like what you were feeling because like you weren't great with like writing things or even having sort of like a conversation with someone. This was your release, if that makes sense. So like, and obviously like people have kind of um, sort of, reacted to what you're 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 putting out and they've kind of had a relationship with that and they're kind of reciprocating if that makes sense so but because you're kind of this anonymous person do you think that that's kind of helped in some form i think uh i would imagine probably a little bit of both uh, i think it hmm. i think it's yeah hmm. that's a really good question <laughs> I'm, I'm not entirely <laughs> sure what the what the um, what the right answer is here. I would say I would say it probably doesn't help um, in terms of uh, getting people to kind of like relate. Maybe yeah. because they still feel like they're talking to like a faceless, unnamed character, and, and maybe it's less personal. But um, hmm. people connect with the music like really strongly like i get a lot of messages of people like like paragraphs about like how the the music is affecting them and stuff like that so maybe it's better that way like maybe it's better to just kind of let the the music like connect so strongly with people and um 
because because I'm not I'm not interesting as a person, you know, like I'm I'm pretty. <laughs> well, that, I wouldn't say fair, that. I, I I just think like I'm pretty boring, and um, and maybe it adds like this kind of like you know how with like let's say a rock star or something, there's kind of a barrier between the 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 fan and the rock star because it seems like this unattainable mm. thing and so you kind of romanticize the the rock star because you don't know them <laughs> and i think there's maybe some kind yeah. of similar there's a parallel to that like I, by no means am i a rock star but i think um like because they don't know who the person is that's making this music it seems really like um it's like enigmatic almost it's like this wow this character like i don't know who he is and he makes this amazing music and i relate to it so much and i want to get to know who this person is i want to know them deeper but i can't uh, you know so there's like mm. all these like levels to it and 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 like i don't like um i'm not distant with people like i try to be really real with them too and uh and like i'll, I'll send yeah. them a paragraph back about like how much it means to me that that they're relating to the music and how glad I am that other people can find solace and something that is cathartic for me or find the same solace that I do in writing the music. Um, so yeah, to summarize, I would say probably both. Like it would probably really help if people, if people knew me and they <laughs> yeah. could probably relate better, but at the same time, this way they can just relate really strongly with the music and, um, and yeah. <laughs> And I guess kind of like on that as well, like, because I know, like, again, you've kind of said, like, some of the stuff, like, you're kind of putting into your music is very sort of personable to you and things like that. But obviously, there's, there is that element of anonymity to it, but also like, that therefore leaves your music open to interpretation. So do you think that like, that is a kind of what you want to achieve that like, okay, yeah, I'm writing this music for me, this is what I want to create, but I want the listener to take whatever from it. I don't want to kind of shove a specific message down their throat, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, it's pretty much always been about, um, uh, I always like to put the kind of creativity uh, in the hands of the listener when it comes to like song meanings mm. and uh, you know stuff like that. I, I usually even try to avoid the question when people ask it. Like they'll be like, oh, I really, um, right. I really resonate with this song. Like, what does it mean? What is it about? And I'll just be like, uh, it's whatever you want it to be about. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I write music and I always have like a, a, a something in mind when I'm writing it, whether it's like a, whether it's about something specific or I'm going for a specific feeling or sometimes there's even a story like a full story behind it but I don't want to like I don't want to kill that creativity in somebody you know if it means something specific to someone I don't want to be like well actually it's about this and I I mm. always hated when I was when I was younger and I was watching interviews with bands and they would talk about the meanings of their songs and I would be like oh like I'd be kind of disappointed I'd be like well that's not what I thought it was um yeah so, yeah yeah you know i don't want to i don't want to kill that i don't want to kill the the creativity that um that a listener has when when they interpret something mm. and just in terms kind of you mentioned sort of like the sometimes you've got like a feeling or like a, the, the whole story and i know like with each record there's kind of a different sort of conceptual kind of 
idea to it sort of thing and, and we'll get on to to the latest record in a, in a moment but I don't know is it just like when you're kind of coming up with the ideas is it just something that like maybe not spare of the moment but something that you're feeling at that moment in time or do you kind of put a lot more sort of thought process into where you want a record to go um I definitely tend to fuse those things um together like certain records mm. are more so leaning in one direction than the other um like to give you an example um well I I typically write like about what I'm feeling so so the the, the vibe is typically yeah. just how I'm feeling in that moment but I put out two records in 2018 and 2020 called Mosaic One and Mosaic Two, and those were like yeah, um, like an experiment, like almost like a therapy experiment for me because like um, writing has always been therapy to me, as like you know corny as that sounds. Mm. Like I don't really have, <laughs> I don't really have other <laughs> way to like express myself. So get, getting that out into music is always cathartic, obviously. Um, but for those records, like they're very juxtaposed, like sonically, like the first one is basically this uplifting post-rock album. And then the second record is this dark black metal, like uh, just really bleak kind of sounding for the most part. Like those two sounds yeah, still yeah. kind of bleed into each other because the whole depressive uplifting is unrequited having those two sounds fused together. But they definitely lean heavily in each direction like one of them is way happier one of them's way darker and the way that I wrote those records was I would only I would I worked on them in tandem and I would only work on mosaic one when I was feeling like happy and when I was feeling yeah oh, so okay I, so it turned it it's I would never do this again because <laughs> I, I never <laughs> want to like only work on an album when I'm sad and when I'm angry because it turned into like this horrible process that I didn't enjoy um, yeah, yeah, yeah so I like looking imagine. back like when I was doing the the press I guess for that album and people were asking questions about it I was like oh my god I hate talking about this and like yeah. I, I almost like don't <laughs> even remember how to answer some of these questions because I was in such a like horrible mental state while I was working on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah but but that's just like an example of like that is a, obviously an extreme but but that is how I work on music ultimately like it comes out that way uh, depending on how I'm feeling mm. so mm. and just in terms of you kind of like I guess this kind of will segue nicely into to the, the Ember stuff but like in terms of you kind of constructing a record like as you say like instrumentally the only thing that you kind of like quote unquote play is the guitar but obviously like you know how to write drums you know how to write bass you know how to write synth you know how to do vocals and and to construct a song and i'm like i don't have a musical bone in my body i can do a bit of vocals and that's literally it but like when you're kind of putting a song together what's your kind of like starting point and like where do you do you do you come with the lyrics first do you come with the rhythm like because your music is so sort of expansive as well like how do you kind of edit and break it down yeah i'm definitely more comfortable with writing instrumental music than i am like lyrical music because the because you know right, being okay. bad with with words in general and stuff like that it, like the lyric writing is always kind of a bottleneck for me and it takes a long time to to get them exactly right how I want them to so but either way that the lyrics will always come second after the music um right okay 
and then there will be the, the rare occasion where where I have ideas and I'm kind of putting them together simultaneously. Um, but you know, the the process of writing a song is like really weird. Like, there's no like, there's no way to just kind of like even creativity in general is so fleeting to me. Like, I, I don't understand like. <laughs> I still don't understand <laughs> yeah. how to be like creative and inspired on demand. Like it's so hard to kind of create that feeling because every time I sit down when I'm not inspired and I try to write something like it comes out like horribly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's one of those things that I don't really know. I mean, in terms of writing a song, like I said, there's always like, um, like a, there's a, always a reason that I'm writing that song always like something that I'm going yeah. for and the the easiest way for me to write is just putting what I hear in my head onto paper basically like writing mm. writing exactly what I want to hear or what I am hearing in my head and like that's how that's how I I construct like riffs like um <clears throat> like I, I don't often like um improvise on guitar and come up with stuff I usually have like I hear yeah. something in my head and then I I'm like, what's the next note that I want to hear? Oh, it's this. And like, what's the next part that I want to hear? Like, I can hear it in my head what the next part is. I just need to be able to play it. And um, mm. obviously, uh, what I hear in my head is like 2000 different instruments going off at the same time. So, <laughs> so I had to be able to like, be quick and like efficient with programming stuff because I need to have it all available in front of me. And then, I, and then I hear like, oh, there's going to be a violin part here. I need to be able to quickly like input that into my computer so I can hear it back. And so it's really weird. Honestly, the songwriting process is really strange. <laughs> I don't understand it. It's, <laughs> uh, it's super weird, yeah. And just in terms of kind of going back to kind of being in a band structure and things like that and obviously in comparison to to doing a solo project obviously like going out on tours and things is one thing but like obviously getting in a space and like practicing a song and kind of going over like things and maybe like working out a set what songs are going to be in it and things like that when you're kind of like done with a song I guess if we take like Mosaic 1 and Mosaic 2 as an example like once you're kind of done with that it's written like, do you revisit it at all? Or is it kind of, right, that's written, that's done. I mix and master it, boom, done. Is like, what's your approach to it like? Yeah, I'm probably like the worst person to ask this question because I, I, <laughs> I, I very typically, I, I most frequently will abandon music as opposed to complete it in my brain. Right, okay. <laughs> like, I can, I can go back like infinitely changing things, adding things. And there reaches a point where you have to be like, okay, this is done now. Like I, I, I can't just keep going back and changing things. At this point, it's, it's going to be a completely different song if I keep going back. And I think that comes from like, just not, not always, not being super happy with like my abilities and stuff like mm. that. Like, especially when it comes to mixing, I hate that side of it. I hate, I hate production. Right, okay. I hate, <laughs> I hate like um, having to, having to be like the be all end all of making mixed decisions because I, I'm not knowledgeable in that domain. Like for some reason it doesn't, mm. it doesn't like, 
I'll watch so many YouTube videos about mixing and stuff still doesn't click with me. It's frustrating. Um, so, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I wish like I had like a, um, a producer that I was going to, but that's obviously, I don't really have the, the budget to be going with the producer for like yeah. all of the content that I write, you know, I would be dropping like tens of thousands of dollars a year on records because of how free, how much, uh, how many records <laughs> I put out. But, um, <clears throat> but um, yeah, I will, I will, I will take a lot of time going back and revisiting stuff and making mm. sure it's perfect in my brain, even though it never reaches that point. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's fair well, as I say, we'll, we'll kind of segue into this, the the Ember stuff now. So, in terms of like that project, obviously, it's, there's still kind of some black ele metal elements in there, but it's kind of, I guess, you saying like you grew up in like the kind of metalcore world, like that now kind of makes more sense to what this project is, sort of thing. Yeah. So I don't know, like when you kind of started that, was it just to kind of like flex that muscle again and be like, oh yeah, that's, that's still there kind of thing. Yeah, I, I, I definitely miss like, you know, those those times. Like it was such a big part of my life doing the whole metalcore thing. And it, it actually still is a pretty big part of what I listen to. I still keep up, keep up with a lot mm. of like newer artists that are putting out stuff. I mean, the genre as a whole has definitely gotten like kind of stale in, in my mind because there's only yeah. so much you can do with it. And, you know, it, it, like... <laughs> as much as I keep up with new content, like whenever I hear a new band come out and, and it's just breakdowns and stuff, I'm like, oh man, I can't believe like people are still doing this age like 30 or whatever. Like it's, it's yeah. 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 So it's one of those things that like can get really boring really quick because I think that scene's like been saturated for a long time. There's so many bands that are putting out like the same record basically. Um, but but I, I still miss like a lot of the older stuff that I listened to and I, I wanted to incorporate it into, into something. Like I didn't know how I was going to kind of bring that back into my life, but I wanted to write something that kind of mm. brought in those elements. So, so once I kind of had the, the concept in mind for fixation, I was like, I'm going to bring back some like, you know, heavy breakdown stuff that I used to do. I think that'll be kind of cool. Mm. And just like in terms of like keeping the, the the two projects separate sort of thing like kind of going back to your your writing process a little bit but like do you kind of like say to yourself like okay I'm gonna spend two days writing Ember stuff or I'm gonna spend a couple of days on Unrequainted or is it just I don't know whatever like you're feeling at the time like that's what fits naturally. Yeah, so my, my favorite thing about having multiple projects is getting to work on whatever I feel like working on in that moment. Because it's like yeah. super limiting when I wake up and I'm like, okay, what am I going to work on today? It's like, oh yeah, I only have this one thing that I've been working on for the past few <laughs> yeah. weeks. So I might as well keep working on that. And um, I, after like, like this is what I do every day is write music like this is my main thing this is my main yeah. thing that I wake up and do almost until I go to bed unless I have other plans <laughs> so I'm trying to break out of that a little bit and, and do some new things like we're starting to do screen printing here like at home like printing my own oh, shirt awesome. so with all the ember merch that you see online I'm actually printing it myself so that's exciting yeah so that's oh, a that's cool, cool thing that I'm doing but um but yeah, I, I, I really need to have like multiple, like I, I frequently have like two to three records going at one time. 
like right like, okay and it needs to be like that i need to have like options because <laughs> i'm not always i'm not yeah. always feeling inspired to do like a specific thing you know like it really sucks when the writing is finished for a record and i only have the production side to do and like i don't get to pick and choose what i work on like i actually just have to mix this album and make it sound good like that's frustrating to me yeah yeah <laughs> um so it's nice to when i feel inspired to write i can write for a different project and then when i get tired of it i'll be like okay well i'll go work on this mix or whatever because i've got my creative uh you know i actually did something creative today that was fun now i'll do the mundane mixing part that i hate <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's kind of like your your treat exactly for, yeah for the boring stuff yeah, so to exactly. say. <laughs> that's cool so then in terms of like with sort of like fixation and things like that obviously you we've kind of already touched upon it a little bit that it's it, it's a bit of a polarizing record in terms of like it's not typically metal it's not typically black metal it kind of walks this sort of very delicate line yeah, between yeah. quite yeah. a few genres but obviously again i know you said so you find the difficult like the question sort of a bit difficult in terms of like what it's about and things like that but i guess what i'm kind of getting at is when you kind of got the idea of it kind of going did you always want it to bring in all these different elements or did that just evolve as you were writing it? Um, it actually very much evolved as I was writing it. And uh, as, mm. as intentional as the song placements are, like the, um, the track listing, it's kind of, um, it starts off yeah. like very heavy and you kind of see the symphonic elements kind of coming in a little bit, peeking in like song four, song three, and then it gets like really symphonic towards the end and uh, and more metal towards the end, probably more black metal towards the end. Like it starts off like a metal core. Yeah. Um, and I wanted it to be like that. But the main reason that like each individual song came out so differently is because it was written over such a long period of time that like my influences kept changing. <laughs> and, you know, like right, what okay. I was striving for kept changing and um because i re-recorded this record this is the third re-recording is that the the, the yeah the version oh, wow, that okay. here's is like the third re-recording because because like obviously uh, like i said mixing and production is not my thing so uh, as i was kind yeah. of improving like while writing other stuff i was revisiting this record and and being like god this sounds awful like I can do so much better now. So I re-recorded it and then I did that a third time. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, like, and, and I think each time I, I changed the track listing, like I, I added something and removed something like the first rendition had two other songs and two mm. less, like two of the songs that are there currently weren't there. And then I think on the first re-recording, I took out a song and added a song. And on the third re-recording, I took out another song and added another song. So, <laughs> yeah, I think that that's the main reason that like this, the songs like vary between between them so much is because my influences kept yeah. changing. And like, I was like, oh, I want to write something more metalcore. And then I was listening. And then like, there was a period where I was only listening to like Dimmu Borgir and Karak Angren and symphonic <laughs> black metal. So I was like, oh, I'm going to write, you know, something like this. So, yeah. Yeah. 
And obviously, like, the two projects are very sort of different, like, sounding, but obviously you're the, the glue that kind of sticks the two mm-hmm. together kind of thing. And obviously, I'm a bad example because I'm a fan of both, but do you have you found that there is a crossover between the two projects? Between Unrequited and The Ember? Um, I, I didn't yeah. really, I didn't even think, I didn't think so going into it. I was like, well, these two, I didn't think these, the audiences were going to overlap at all because of how different they are. I mean, thankfully, a lot of the unrequited audience does like it, which is cool. Um, mm. But in my mind, they're just, they just sound totally different. They're worlds apart. Like musically, yeah. they're different. Yeah. It's a completely different vocal style. Um, so I like I was scared to even like share it with unrequited fans at first. I was like, well, they're definitely not going to like this. But people are surprisingly open-minded with music, so that's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. And just in terms of like, I guess kind of going back to you saying like, the the lyrical side of things isn't like your favorite and strongest sort of thing. But like on both projects, like you do have like a really strong voice that comes through. So. I guess not maybe lyrically, but do you enjoy like the vocal side of things? Because I find like some people, especially in the heavy world, like they kind of fall into doing vocals. Like they maybe not necessarily be like, I want to be a vocalist sort of thing. So I don't know. Is that something that you're, are you more comfortable actually like expressing the words rather than writing them down? If that makes sense. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Because when I was like, going all the way back to my band that I was playing in like so we were mm. like a two vocalist project it was a one I was the, right, the okay. screamed vocalist and there was a clean vocalist and neither neither of us played okay. guitar um we live we would both do the vocals only but we we both wrote all of the songs and recorded all of the songs so when we went to this we went when we went to okay. the studio it was only the two of us that went we recorded all the songs Uh, all the guitars and all the vocals ourselves and then live we would only do vocals and like that's because it's just way more fun to (laughs) to do vocals like especially in the live (laughs) setting right like playing these hard you know metal riffs and having to concentrate all night sucks um and being able to just go crazy on vocals (laughs) is way more fun so i do really like the vocal side of things it's 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 just fun ultimately it's really fun Mm. um but yeah, yeah, as much as the lyrics are a bottleneck, you know, expressing them and, and getting to hear them back recorded is really satisfying. Hmm. And obviously with the Ember, like obviously we've we've said about it being sort of very musically different. And one thing that I kind of picked up on was that okay, yes, it has that kind of like metal, more like metalcore sort of leaning to it compared to unrequited, but if like if you were to put the two projects side by side, there's a lot more kind of groove to like the Ember as well, like which I guess goes part and parcel with what you're kind of wanting to create. But I don't know, like, were you wanting it to be as groovy and as as kind of like sort of heavy as it is, or I don't know, like, am I just kind of like being a bit too compare and contrast? Kind yeah, of well, I just wanted to take the 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 elements from metalcore that I really liked the most and I've incorporated those mm. elements. So the, the stupid groovy stuff is like what I like from metalcore. Like that's what makes it really cool. Yeah. I don't want just straight breakdowns. Like that's not interesting. Um, 
so yeah that's that was very intentional to take the groovy elements from metalcore and and something that was really vibey and cool rhythms and then taking the like aggression and, and raw elements from the black metal side because there, there aren't a lot of black metal elements to the record but you can you can tell that they're incorporated in there you know yeah, like it's yeah it's got this kind of lo-fi production which is well all that I can do really so thank god for that but I still <laughs> wanted it to sound like kind of raw like that right and um, you know yeah yeah there's still musical black metal elements like namely towards the end of the record the the long song at the end which um is a re-recording from the first ep slash record whatever if you will mm. that's like the most black metal thing on here but yeah yeah and obviously the other part of kind of like with this record, obviously you got picked up through Prosaic and obviously they're a label that's doing incredible things as of late sort of things. So first and foremost, you know, how did your relationship with them kind of come about? And secondly, like from your perspective, was it an interesting like choice to have? Because like going way back to what we said earlier, like, with your projects, you have full control, like you you can do what you want with it. So getting a label like Prosthetic to come on board, was it a worry or were you all like on board fully right from the off? Um yeah, I love them. They're they're awesome. Um I, I wasn't I wasn't really worried about that because you know it, like there's not a lot of labels where you're gonna sign and they're gonna have some kind of like creative control over your music. Like that unless you're signing yeah, to like yeah, some yeah. major or whatever. But um but they were like, they really like listened to me and, and did all the things that I wanted to do, which is really cool. Cause like, cause That's I wanted cool. to do this, like, um, like every song being a single and releasing them every two weeks leading up to the record, which I, I stole from this mm. band called Sleep Token, which did something so. Yeah, yeah you know that yeah. band? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're UK, aren't they? So. But yeah. Yeah, so they did yeah. like a two week leading up to the record. They released a single every two weeks and every um, every single had its own merch design. And I was like, God, that's so cool. Like, I want to do that. It's just so smart for like, you know, what like now is what, what you need to do now is like get on things like Spotify playlists and, you know, stuff like that. So, so yeah, it was yeah. ideal for playlisting and all that. So that was my idea. And I pitched it to them and they were like, yep, that's great. Let's do it. And they've been super kind with everything. And um, the only thing I was hesitant about was um, not signing a product deal, which is what I'm used to. Um, it's, a, it's a royalty deal. Well, mm. I'm not gonna get into the terms of my contract here, but, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm just so used to doing the, um, the product deals where instead of getting like, you know, royalties and stuff, you get um, a percentage of the physical copies. Like that's, that's, that's what I've done with right, Unrequited okay. for years. Um, you know, I would just license the record out to the labels. They would print a thousand copies and they would send me 200 free of charge. And then I get to sell my own copies. Yeah, yeah. They get to sell their own copies. But in this case, like, I don't have to deal with any of that. It's all done through prosthetic. And I just do the, the royalty thing, which is fine because I don't have to mm. do all the packaging and shipping that I do with Unrequited. Uh, so it's nice to have yeah, one yeah. project where <laughs> yeah. I don't have to handle all that stuff, which is great. But, um, just to what was the first part of that how did i how did i get a yeah how, yeah how did the relationship <clears throat> um form? actually i went on tour with a band called ghost bath recently but i didn't, I oh, didn't okay, like, cool. go on tour playing with them but i was running their merch for them 
So I was the merch yeah. guy for this tour and we stopped in, in, um, in Wisconsin, which is where their one of their label guys, Steve Joe lives. And, uh, and, hmm. uh, Dennis from ghost bath was talking to him and he was like, Hey, that's Steve Joe from prosthetic. He's like a really good guy. You should go talk to him and like pitch him your record or something. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. That's kind of weird, but like, I'll go talk to him. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember like talking to him really briefly at that show. And then we, we stayed in contact a little bit. Like we, he would email me occasionally because he, I think he's kind of a fan of unrequited. He likes the project a lot. And he, he would like yeah. message me be like, Hey, like, are you thinking about going on tour? I have this band that wants to go on tour with you. And I was like, no, sorry. <laughs> and, um, but yeah. Anyway, <laughs> once I, once I had the, the Ember record finished, I was like, I'm definitely going to pitch it to these guys because like, he's just such a nice dude. And, and I think it would fit on their label. I didn't know where it would fit, to be honest. I was like, I don't think anyone's going to pick this up realistically, but yeah, thankfully yeah. They, they enjoyed it. That's cool. And just to touch upon something you mentioned there, like, because obviously like Unrequited and The Ember is, is just purely you, do you do you go out on tour with it and do you do shows with it or are you very much like a studio? Project? Yeah, up, up until this point, it's only been a studio project. Uh, hmm. And the main reason for that is because I still have this little band thing that I'm pursuing with a friend of mine. So we, we do kind of like this right, alternative okay. rock kind of stuff. And I, I don't really talk about it in, in these interviews just because it's not like an anonymous uh, project. Uh, but yeah. like we, we still are trying to pursue that a little bit as like a live thing. So in my mind, that, that was always the focus. And, um, you know, doing my solo projects live was always kind of like not really in, in question. Like I was like, oh, I don't think that's ever going to happen. But um i'm getting i'm getting to a point where like maybe it will you know um like it would be really <laughs> yeah. cool to do so i think okay what i'll say is i think at some point it will happen for both projects like i don't know when yeah. like even if it's just a few one-off like shows here there here and there like i think it will happen um because it just feels like a like kind of a wasted opportunity to like play some of these songs live which i think would be like such a cool experience like i think like, especially with Unrequited, you know, like that's, that's a project that some of these songs are, are so old, but like they do so well and people really relate to them. And people are always like, I want to hear this live. Like it would just be such a cool cathartic moment to, you know, hear the, <laughs> these tracks live. And I'm like, I know what you mean. Like, that would be really cool. I don't know how I would do something like that just because of how many, like I would have to backtrack a lot of the layers and stuff yeah um, yeah but that's you know that's fine <laughs> i just don't want to i just i just <laughs> don't want to do like some kind of performance where it's only like a couple of guys on stage and it's mostly backtracked you know i would want i would really want to have like yeah, a yeah. full band like five six people um playing that and that, that seems like a it mm. seems like a lot of work to put that together right now <laughs> yeah well you, that was going to kind of be my next question is would it be full band but then my process was like that yeah there'd be a yeah. lot of people to well, talk the other about thing with that, that is like because i'm the sole member like if i'm to go on tour i feel like i'm kind of going to be expected to cover you know pay live musicians or at least cover the cost of, of for all of them and you know that's like a big logistical thing that i'm scared to tackle yeah that's yeah. fair enough 
<laughs> um, if we kind of just circle back around, obviously, like with unrequited, as as I mentioned earlier, like obviously you're going to have two different records out this year. Obviously, um, Beautiful Ghosts coming out later in the year, and like it's something that I'm like super stoked on. But I think like the thing I wanted to kind of touch upon is what you've kind of put out into the world is going to be like the basis of it is that it's kind of an an approach to love songs in, in in a in a roundabout way so like i don't know like was this just something that you wanted to kind of like challenge yourself for because obviously the track that you've put out thus far yes it's an unrequited song but there's elements that, like the intro alone is just something that's completely kind of left field so I don't know, was it you wanting to challenge yourself? Was it you wanting to do something different? Where's this kind of element of it come from? Um, I, I don't know if it's me trying to challenge myself. I mean, um, as like I mentioned, the these projects are always just about whatever headspace I'm in um, in that current moment. Yeah. And the past year, that headspace has been love, I guess, for like, not to be corny mm. or whatever, but that's yeah. kind of a, it's a new thing for me. Like I, I've touched on this in like a couple of, of interviews and uh, maybe in the press release, I can't remember, but yeah, I've kind of um, like stayed away from romantic relationships a little bit just because like maybe fear of like commitment or fear of like um, expectation from other people and also not wanting to like give my time away because I, I want to spend it making music. And, um, yeah. you know, like that was just, I never thought I was going to change that about myself. <laughs> so yeah, but, uh, like, like late in 2019, I kind of like let my walls down a bit and, and let somebody into my life that like changed that completely. So, um, mm. because of that, I've just, I've just been like, well, this is, this is the headspace I'm in. I want to write, there's kind of like a muse now for, for the, for the record and that's how it came out. I mean, there, there, there <laughs> yeah, I don't really, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, like there, there, there are like some, a few darker elements in here, uh, in the record. Uh, the next single that's coming out will, um, will showcase some of the, the darker sides of the record. But um, mm. for the most part, like I've just been in a really good headspace and all of the like joy cool. and and just euphoria that I felt kind of got poured into this record, and that's why it turned out this way. Um, but you yeah. know, as I mentioned, there's like a little bit of that kind of lonely, like cynicism, kind of popping into the record a little bit, and a little bit of like me doubting, um, doubting that I you know deserve these things, or doubting that it's, it's something that's gonna last, and uh, you know, this kind of mm. like all that stuff that that drops into the record and there's some darker moments but for the most part yeah it, it wasn't really like to challenge myself it's just that's where I've been mentally and that's how the record turned out yeah that's cool and just like because you you mentioned the word muse which I think is quite a nice yeah. way of phrasing it um do, do they know that they've they were kind of like not maybe not the inspiration but like were part and parcel of, of behind this record no actually not been that open. um she i sent her one of the songs um on the record which i like specifically wrote like for her kind of 
It's like this little okay. um, interlude song called Cherish. It's only about two or three minutes long. Mm-hmm. But that's the only thing I've showed her from the record. <laughs> so other than that, other than that, that's, no cool. Idea. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. I like, I like that. It's kind of like your secret yeah. love layer. I like it. I like it a lot. Perfect. Well, just before I do let you go, obviously, as I said, I'm super stoked for the new Unrequited stuff, but you've mentioned before, like, this is something like music is something you are clearly incredibly passionate about, like, and the wanting to create and write is something that you're constantly doing. So I guess what's the next thing on the horizon? Like, I guess because obviously there's a lot of focus, like, well, I guess outward focus for, from people wanting stuff with the ember but obviously we've got this new unrequited album coming so what what's the next step for you um so i have been working on the next ember record um Hmm. and that's something that's probably going to be another like diversion in sound (laughs) because that's just (laughs) what i do at this point just accepted that everything i do is going to be different but um i've been working on that and uh like like I said, I work on a lot of different things at the same time. So in tandem, I'm working on the second or the uh, seventh unrequited album, I guess. I can't believe we've gotten this far, mm. but um, <laughs> I'm working on the seventh record and that's going to be a completely different sound from Beautiful Ghosts. It's going to be another switch up again. So both projects are getting, are getting a new record that I'm working on. They're both going to be switch ups and sound. And that's about, that's about all I can think of right now. I mean, those are the two things that I have in the works. Um, Apart from that, I I guess I'll just be kind of taking the time to kind of promote and and do press and stuff for the, for the records. Cause I I really want people to hear them. I'm really Mm. proud of both of them uh, for for very different reasons because they're completely, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) yeah, but um yeah i'm just excited to see how well they do and, and how people take to them and then um and then i'm going to completely disappoint them with something different next time <laughs> <laughs> perfect brilliant well i really really appreciate you taking yeah. the time as i said i'm really looking forward to hearing beautiful ghosts in full and fixation is a fucking banger of a record people should should definitely go check it out if they haven't already um but yeah really appreciate your time thank you very much yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate it. So hit me up anytime to, to do this again. I'll be happy to. Yeah, definitely, man. No worries. Take care. All right. Take care, man. Cheers. Bye. Bye. So there we have it, folks. Again, a really cool chat with the person who is behind the Unrequited and the Ember and the Ash projects. Um, as always, you can keep up to date with what's going on with both those projects on all various social media platforms, which will be linked in the description of this episode. Um, and as mentioned in the chat, Unrequited will have a new record coming out later this year. Um, just mentioned, I didn't, well, not mention, realised, I didn't mention at the top of the show, we've also announced that we are putting together the second charity sampler which will be going out on August 1st. We've had a couple of submissions thus far, but obviously always welcome to have more. Again, it will hopefully be a 20-track sampler, all money going to a designated charity, which will be announced on the 1st of July. Um, 
but yeah, if you want to get involved, there's all the information on our social media. But if you want to submit a track, please submit it to just underscore and underscore insight at hotmail.co.uk. Again, all these this information will be in the show notes, but also just have a look on our social media, which is just underscore and underscore insight on both Instagram and Twitter, and then just an insight podcast on Facebook. All the relevant information is on there. As same with last time, it's we want it to be like a very like community based sort of user submitted compilation rather than us cherry picking bands. So we're open to sort of any band of any genre to get involved. So yeah, if you if you fancy getting involved, then please feel free to drop us a line. Um, I'm going to leave it at that. We are nearing episode 200. I know I keep saying it, but hopefully next week I will have a bit of news as to regarding what we're doing around that episode. Um, But for now, thank you again for stopping by the Justin Insight podcast, and I will see you soon.